Welcome to On Air with LG, brought to you by LG Electronics European Air Solution Team. We know that in today's digital world, time is limited, attention is short, and everyone is busier than ever. That's why we're bringing the HVAC industry's hottest topics on air, where you can both learn and be inspired on the go. Join us for a new episode every two weeks, where we answer your most pressing questions and explore the constantly shifting world of HVAC topics like the energy transition, renewable innovation, and the past, present, and incredibly bright future that our industry has to offer to both our lifetime achievers, as well as the next generation of professionals. I'm Melissa Moller, your host throughout this series, and I hope you enjoy. In this session of On Air with LG, I'm here with Andre Litu, Building Performance Advisor at REVA, the Federation of European Heating, Ventilation, and Air Conditioning Associations. With a wide breadth of industry experience, from government relations to engineering, Andre has seen the ins and outs of the HVAC industry and has a very unique perspective on the future of building automation. Today, we'll discuss HVAC as a service and how the digital transformation has and will continue to create opportunities for the future of our business. Hi, Andre. Thank you so much for being with us today. How are you? Hi, Melissa. Thank you for this opportunity. I'm really glad to be here and uh, share a bit of my, my vision on uh, this topic. Awesome. So we're going to talk about HVAC as a service. Um, and what I want to ask you, my first question is really, how would you describe HVAC as a service in terms of the perspective of the end customer? What about our daily lives at home would transform based on um, the integration of HVAC as a service into our, into our home lives? Yes, uh, that's a very good uh, starting point, uh, the people. Uh, I, I rather uh, look at the users or the occupants of buildings. Uh, we are people, of course. And um, the, the, the most significant actually impact that uh, such a transition from just uh, selling products uh, and systems to actually selling services uh, to, to people at home, at work, in any type of building uh, eventually, is that it would um, change the way um, the, the building is, uh, let's say, on one side uh, perceived, because when you just get a product or a system, uh, you get some instructions and more or less it ends there. But if you would go in this service uh, uh, direction, uh, basically you would have continuous support uh, because uh, you would paying for a continuous service as a monthly plan or annual plan. So that's one aspect that would change dramatically um, the perception of uh, being in a building uh, because you would have most likely a sort of coach uh, like we have for our bodies. We have a doctor, a medical doctor. Uh, for our cars, uh, bikes, uh, we have a mechanic. Uh, so also for our homes, we would have a, a sort of coach, which is a building professional. Um, so that's on the on the perception side on how we we see ourselves, how we relate to buildings, and then another significant uh, second fold uh, change would be the comprehension, the understanding of the impact of our behavior 
on the building performance, the HVAC system performance, and uh, when it comes to energy, but also when it comes to what the HVAC is delivering. Because we don't, uh, HVAC is not a means, uh, or it's not a goal on its own, sorry. It's, it's a means to an end. So we need HVAC so that we have adequate conditions. Uh, I, I always like to say this, uh, buildings are built for people and we should always remember this. That's why we don't live in caves anymore. Uh, and for that, you need HVAC. And uh, it's the people that consume the energy and not the buildings. So uh, once you have this as a service, uh, because um, digitalization and digital transformation of uh, HVAC systems is part of it, um, the, the people, the occupants, the end user, if you want to call them, they would be educated because they would have uh, data, which now most of the time they don't. They just maybe feel, but also there, you know, we are uh, people, we are quite adjustable. Uh, we can adjust to conditions only when we go from one room to the other uh, or to grab a cup of coffee from uh, the kitchen. When we come back, we, we, we feel that, ah, oh, I should uh, ventilate or I should open the window. Um, so we would, we would be educated because we would have access to data, which would be transformed into information and then knowledge. And this coach that I mentioned would play uh, a part in it. Okay. So walk me through exactly what, so say I may, I, well, I do live in a house, so that's already a good start. Um, what if I wanted to sign up? What exactly would it look like? What would happen? Who would come? Um, and what would it, what would best practices be for me as a user to engage with the system in a proper way? How much time does it consume um, of my daily life and things like that? Like walk me through step one, step two, step three. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Excellent follow-up. Um, so it's uh, we now talk about residential because I think that's uh, closer to our reality. We all live in an apartment or a house. But of course, this is also relevant for the non-residential sector. Uh, the only difference there is that you would have a in-house coach, which is the building operator. Uh, but in the residential, um, uh, before, just as a, let's say, uh, uh, prerequisite, it's important to understand that uh, this transition to HVAC as a service has some limitations from the technical point of view because there are certain components of an HVAC system that are easy to put in uh, a building and take out. But there are others, like uh, for hydronic systems, the piping, uh, for airbase systems, the ductwork. And that's still something that needs to be well done. And that's why such a service, uh, the first thing when you would sign up for such a service is the, is the let's say, uh, the, the moment in time when you realize that you're not buying, uh, I'll give a concrete example, you're not buying a heat pump you're buying uh, thermal comfort. You want to have adequate temperature in all the rooms and you're not buying uh, floor heating or radiators. You don't care about that part. You just want to have the optimal conditions for you to live uh, and do whatever you want to do uh, at home. And I also work uh, with this pandemic situation. Um, so um, what I imagine and envision uh, maybe I'll use this word imagine if uh, uh, a lot, uh, but imagine if uh, you would need to contact uh, a lot of people uh, because today you need a designer, uh, then you need an installer, uh, then you need somebody for maintenance and most of the time it's not the same person. Uh, 
you might have some situations in which uh, there is a really good uh, service provider and they can offer everything in a package, but that's, I would say, an exception. In this uh, new uh, situation as a service, uh, basically you would have, I imagine, an interface, a web-based interface, something similar to these uh, online shopping uh, platforms, I'll not uh, say any names, where you just make an account, you have a list of services you can select from, uh, you put your credit card in, and basically you get enrolled. And everything follows uh, after that. You get contacted with some dates and time slots for everything to happen and become reality. And as of that moment in time, you would basically have an interface to your building, to the HVAC of your building, uh, be it on in an app or web-based, whatever you prefer. And uh, in, in the, I would say, first phase, um, you would have some incremental steps that you would take together with your uh, building coach if, or HVAC coach, let's call it. Um, and I anticipate that it wouldn't be more than half an hour a day and uh, maybe three days a week uh, in the first uh, three weeks. And as of that moment in time, uh, you you basically would be empowered because you would have a lot of uh, information and knowledge that will be made accessible to you. And you will understand, you will, like air, you know, we don't see air, but we know it's there because we have been educated to know that we breathe air. And the same for uh, the... Um, outcomes of having a well-performing HVAC, uh, you will be able to see on your comfort side uh, and also on the energy side and environmental, if you want to look at sustainability, that's also possible. But you will be able to see how actually you are empowered, you are in control, uh, because such an HVAC as a service would not only give you the data, the information knowledge, but would put you in control. Uh, because now, just to give some examples for a heating and even a cooling system, you have a thermostat somewhere, but maybe it's not room-based, it's for the entire dwelling. Uh, and of course, you can uh, hydronically balance the system um, so that uh, based on that room, you have adequate conditions in all the rooms, but most of the time that's not done. Uh, but in the HVAC as a service, this would be something you don't need to worry about because it would be individual room control and you would have really uh, all, all the, I would say, means to, to control your indoor uh, environmental quality. And that's, that's the, uh, I would say, the, the biggest uh, difference because you would have in the beginning this additional hours. And as I said, in the first three weeks, I, I estimate uh, half an hour, uh, three times a week. And then now I'm talking about my own personal experience. I'm I'm a, a HVAC engineer. Uh, I have a bachelor and master, and I'm doing now a PhD on smart buildings and uh, behavioral change uh, because we need to understand that this uh, digitalization and digital technology in general as HVAC is not a goal in its own. It's a means to arrive somewhere. And I'm a fanatic for uh, uh, smart devices in general, uh, also in terms of smart watches, smart scales, uh, but also for building. So we have a lot of devices at home. And I saw the, the steps we took, uh, even me as an engineer, even though I was trained and educated to know indoor environmental quality until I visualized it. it, it you know, I, I re didn't really grasp it. 
And there were some myths that I actually busted thanks to the data that I've acquired. And I also saw my wife, she's a She's an ICT uh, developer, so she doesn't have the building sciences uh, background. And I saw the steps she made, and actually it was not so different from mine. So I think this is something for a layperson uh, and for uh, those that have a background. Either way, it wouldn't take longer. Uh, and we saw that after these first few weeks where, of course, you need to allocate a bit more time, but it's really enjoyable because it's your life experience. It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's something that fills you up with good emotions. But then, and with this, uh, I'll stop, um, you have a six-month period, more or less, in which you basically um, internalize a new behavior. So you will change the way you use indoor spaces to optimize your well-being, health, and to minimize the, the energy costs uh, related to that. And after those six months, uh, for us, this process happened already around five years ago. Uh, the market is much more developed and devices are much easier to integrate. Uh, but then after six months, and this is still valid today, ever since then, after six months, we have a new behavior, which is now so automatic uh, because also the system, you can put it, let's say, on autopilot. Once you get it to the point you want it to be for your uh, preferences. And then basically it becomes natural and you don't spend any time on it anymore. Uh, the only, I would say, time that you would still allocate would be with your coach. Every once in a while, you would follow up to see how is everything. Uh, they would need to come once in a while for maintenance. So that's completely out of your mind. You don't need to worry because most of these systems are internet connected. So they can be uh, monitored from the distance. They will not intrude in your life. You can, when I say meet with your coach, actually, I mean talk to your coach. They don't need to come on site only if they need to change uh, some filters or some components in, in, in the system. So overall, I think uh, the cost benefit is, uh, yeah, it's uh, really amazing. Uh, and it, it would make uh, building performance and HVAC something uh, uh, tangible. Uh, because today it's something that uh, people in a way are like, ah, I don't want to ask too many questions because the technical guy will give me details and then I'll be lost and I, I will feel bad if I don't remember and I need to ask him again. So all that will be gone. Yeah, I think definitely bringing the user some control over their or over their home systems in general and their HVAC systems is really um, the direction the market is going. I think people want this. They're used to this in their daily lives. So I think in terms of, let's say, disruption to the user, there will not be much at all because mm -hmm. I think we are as digital um, generations, we are getting more and more used to having these types of touch points in everything that we do. Um, what are the implications that you see and the disruptions on the, of this HVAC as a service uh, on the manufacturing industry, on the installers who are now, you know, really part of the HVAC process in a more traditional way? What, what are, what does that look like for them? Yeah, well, uh, that's really relevant to discuss because, uh, I, I would say it has a big tag on it, disruptive for everybody except the occupant, which is really empowered. But um, disruptive uh, in the sense that you would need to change the way you do things today, not meaning that it would be less uh, profitable 
or uh, more difficult to implement. On the contrary, I, I think it would be more profitable and easier to implement. It's just that uh, as humans in general, when we need to change something that we have been doing in a certain way for ages, uh, we always have our uh, brain, let's say, opposing it, uh, this uh, change-aversive uh, uh, behavior. And it's not something to criticize. It's just how we are, and we need to understand that. But to be very specific now, so for a manufacturer, um, they would need basically to digitally, digitally transform uh, their offering. And just to illustrate what I mean by that, because some people... Uh, when they hear digitalization, digitization, or digital transformation, they mix them a bit. Uh, so traditionally, uh, in the old days, we had everything on paper. Also, the, the floor plans, everything was on paper. And it was a hassle if you, at the end of the project, you needed to make some changes. Oh, my God, that was a big deal to make uh, significant changes. It was difficult and time-consuming and frustrating. Well, that changed with digitization. So everything became electronic. Uh, and that was, uh, I would say, in the 70s, 80s, when uh, uh, drafting, computer-aided drafting was uh, introduced. Um, then the next step, which is closer to uh, today, although it has been along uh, with us for a few decades, is the digitalization. And this is the, I would say, the building automation uh, controls that you have in the building and now are connected to the internet. So basically now you have this, what I call the data information knowledge, uh, you have that available. And then the, uh, I would say the cherry on top is the digital transformation. So how do you use all of these tools that make your life easier? Uh, how do you use them in your advantage? And this is where the disruption comes in. Uh, because for um, I will start with the manufacturers. Uh, the manufacturers are used to, um, uh, let's say, uh, doing the technical specifications for the design. Then when it comes to the purchasing phase, they sell a product, a system. They might optimize based on uh, several criterias. Um, and then they sell it. And they have a guarantee period. But that's about it. That's that's how it flows, the, the cash flow. So it's uh, right after the, 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 the moment in time when the uh, products and systems need to be installed, the money flows uh, from the, the client to the, to the manufacturer. And they have a clear supply chain uh, for this, uh, for towards the buildings. They have dealers, they have these aggregators. So if we shift to this as a service and not selling the product and the system anymore, Basically, the people in between the manufacturer and the people, the occupants, the, the users of the buildings uh, would need to uh, reinvent, if you want, uh, themselves. So they would actually become the so-called coaches, those that can deliver the service because it will be something uh, continuous. It's not, uh, okay, we sell, we install, that's it. Uh, we offer maybe some um guarantee period, uh, but it will be something for the long term. Uh, and this is where, in my opinion, it's uh, actually, be you need to change how you do things today, but you would have a great advantage because you would be so close to, to, to your uh, clients. You would have a much closer and richer uh, experience and they, they would understand the benefits, the service that you are providing to them uh, would offer. 
nonetheless, it would be disruptive on on this uh, in terms of the supply chain, but also in terms of cash flow. So manufacturers would need to change a bit their business models to 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 adapt to this. Um, when it comes to the installers, uh, for them. Uh, in in my opinion, I I worked as a designer and contractor uh, in in Romania, where where I come from, uh, and I saw that as a designer and installer, you don't always have the privilege to take uh, a, a project from concept all the way to operation. Sometimes you're somewhere in between uh, these phases. I had this privilege. I had uh, quite a few buildings that I took from concept. So from the very first discussion with uh, the building owner, uh, all the way to operation and follow up uh, for one year. And what I felt as a frustration is that I, I, I felt I I don't have the, the means and the tools to follow up on what I did. It was a bit of a struggle to see how everything is performing and to compare if it's performing as I designed it to perform. And even more so because one building was a hotel building, which is, let's say, in between uh, residential and non-residential because you have a residential side, uh, you could say, of the hotel and then the the specific uh, services like the restaurant, cafe, and so on. Um, but I... I I couldn't really um, uh, grasp if what I had in mind is actually being implemented by the building operator because in in a hotel you have a building operator and I spent time explaining to them, but they didn't have, they had control. uh, So we had building automation control systems, but we didn't have a a web-based interface or anything to to, uh, visualize what's actually happening. Uh, You had the energy bills, but uh, it's it's really time consuming to gather all that data and to compare it to the design. And basically the building was uh, run suboptimally, unfortunately, even though I took uh, it through all these stages. So that's something that I think such a HVAC as a service would uh, drastically improve because you would have the feedback loop. So as a designer, as an installer, as a billing professional in general involved in such a, a project, you would edu- you will continually educate yourself and you will continually improve the service you deliver uh, for the same client per se, because buildings are so unique. It's not like cars or bikes that you can do them on an industrial scale because they are identical. Uh, buildings are so particular. And that's the feedback loop that uh, would empower uh, the installer to deliver better quality uh, services because that's the direction they would need to go. But again, there is a caveat. They would need to upskill uh, when it comes to uh, digital. So they would need to not be anymore just an engineer, just a civil engineer, architect, or uh, building services, HVAC engineer. Uh, They would need to have an additional layer uh, when it comes to ICT skills, and they would need to develop uh, human skills, interaction skills, these soft skills, to be able to talk uh, to people in general, like an anthropologist, let's say. Uh, So this is something that... it would be disruptive so they cannot they couldn't continue doing exactly how they do today uh, business they would also need to to adjust yeah i think in general in the digital world we're all used to learning new things and trying to figure out day by day uh, what what uh, new technology and new uh, transformations are in each of our um, 
fields in general. So I think people are quite used to that. And I think it makes, um, it makes being part of the digital transformation exciting. And there's a lot of opportunity there. Um, and it's certainly hopeful because I think in a world where we can, anybody providing any service, getting closer to the user of that service is really the ideal scenario, I think, for most people, most companies, most enterprises, most services. And I think that giving people the power to have more knowledge about how they manage their buildings and by getting people closer to the people providing those services is is, is a no-brainer in general. And it's really the way the world's going. Um, Andre, thank you so much for being here with us today. I have one final question that we ask all our guests at the end of our podcasts. If you could go back in time and ask a question to your, or give an advice to your 20 year old self, what, what would you tell that guy? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, this is the, the hindsight <laughs> perspective. Um, indeed. Well, uh, I, I think I'm rather biased. Uh, I think I'm rather biased uh, with what I'm about to say. I've uh, I've read uh, Yuval Noah Harari's uh, trilogy, uh, Homo sapiens, Homo Deus, and uh, 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 Lessons for the 21st Century. And um, looking from that point of view, because I, I feel so, uh, in a way, uh, aligned with uh, all the things that he shares for where we are today and where we are about to go and that we should still be in control of these decisions. Um, I, I was fortunate that in a way my life guided me. So I surrendered. Uh, I'm Today I'm uh, not anymore doing design and contracting. My, my work has shifted a lot. I'm more in the policy side, uh, EU projects, so a bit uh, at macro level. So um, I let go, I would say, of something that I was really specialized in and I broaden uh, my, uh, let's say, skills. Um, but still, I had some opposition. And uh, looking at how uh, things are changing, it already started in the 80s, 90s, with this computer-aided uh, design drafting, um, that people, ever since then, they need to continuously reinvent themselves because there is a fast-paced evolution in, in the sector, in HVAC. And now it's even more accelerated. And having this in mind, what I would tell myself uh, uh, at 20 and all those that are today at 20 and they look for having a career in the HVAC sector, I would tell them to aim at knowing uh, nothing about everything and avoid knowing everything about nothing because we need to become all of us uh, in a way generalists that we are uh, able to work in multidisciplinary teams and we should enjoy that. So we should also work on our people skills that we become people that are nice to have around and work with. Because as I see today, um, the future is something in which we are going to go far together as opposed to going fast alone. So it will be in a way underpinned by co-creation. And, and for that, you need to enlarge your sphere, uh, get out of your comfort zone and try to understand everything and all the others uh, involved. So that's something that I would tell myself to not oppose this because I, I had a tendency to be top in a certain 
topic in my field um, as opposed to knowing everything uh, at a less uh, deeper level. Uh, I oppose that, but fortunately my my life path uh, guided me. So eventually I surrendered and I say, I will just go with the flow because I'm sure uh, I will arrive where I need to go. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think in general, um, I, I think that advice applies to a 20-year-old listening or anyone, actually. I'm personally certainly inspired by it. And I agree. I think the more um, connected we become digitally, the more connected we need to become physically and in a personal way. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, developing more of a general skill set is, is really relevant to, to go forward because I think that diversification of our of our paths and our careers and our, our personalities is, is, is super helpful. And again, I think it provides hope and some, a future to look forward to. So let's end on that note. That was so, it was really great catching up with you, Andre. Thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. And I hope you'll come back to the podcast again. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much, Melissa and to the LG team. And it was really a pleasure, although I feel I only touched upon the tip of the iceberg. Uh, definitely, I would really enjoy continuing the dialogue. <laughs> we'll definitely have to have you back on again. And uh, I have no doubt in my mind that I could ask you questions all day. <laughs> but for now, we'll close and uh, more with Andre <laughs> to come. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.